Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Uh, today, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Steve, Steve Taylor. I'm really looking forward to this, Steve. Um, yeah, really looking forward to our conversation. Great. Yeah, thanks, Simon. Great to be with you. Yeah. So, Steve, uh, unusually, is uh, we've got a non-adoptee here, right, uh, listeners? Mm-hmm. But uh, I heard Steve on another a podcast, and he has... Uh, a really refreshing take on uh, post-traumatic growth. So uh, we've talked. Uh, we talked before on the podcast about post-traumatic growth. My hope um, for today is that we're going to bring really bring that alive for you, dear listeners. Uh, talking about one of um, Steve's Steve's take on post-traumatic growth, uh, and uh, and that is something called transformation through turmoil. And uh, Steve is a senior lecturer in um, psychology and spirituality at Leeds Beckett University, which is very like just 14 miles or so from from where I live. And I and I, I joke to some people that we've had more people uh, on the podcast from Hawaii and New Zealand than we've had from Yorkshire. But Steve's actually from originally from uh, uh, Lancashire. You still live in Lancashire, but you you work out. I do. Yeah, I, can, I commute to Yorkshire across the border. Across the border to work. Yeah. There's a bit of rivalry between Leeds, uh, sorry, between yeah, between Leeds and Bradford, between Leeds and Manchester in the football, definitely in the football, but also between Yorkshire and, and Lancashire. So yeah, there can be the War of the Roses. It, it can it can get a bit tribal, can't it, Steve? It can, especially in sport. You know, like I live close to the cricket ground here in um, here in Manchester, and when Lancashire play Yorkshire, it goes crazy. It, it turns into a football match with sort of hooliganism and you know drunkenness and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, so in, in in soccer at the moment, Leeds have just been relegated to the to the Championship, which is the second level, and and ha- ha- that's a long time since that happened to Manchester United or City, right? You know, you're you're riding clearly riding high on on football. Yeah, that's true. Although I can remember as a kid when Man United were in the second division back in the 1970s. So yeah, but that seems like it's a long time ago now, forty yeah. forty five years ago, I think. Yeah. Wow. So he's a senior lecturer, he's uh, an author, he's also a, a, a poet as well. Um, so what what is this uh, transformation through turmoil, Steve? What what do you what do you see as that? It's uh, it's a phenomenon I became aware of when I was I wasn't specific, specifically researching it. I was researching spirituality, which is my area of psychology. I do research into spiritual experiences, not in the religious ex, uh, religious, not necessarily in the religious uh, connection. But just transformational experiences when people undergo a shift in consciousness and perceive a different reality. The world seems like a different place for a few moments. Could be just for a few seconds, maybe a few minutes. They seem to glimpse a a higher reality, a more intense reality, and have a sense of meaning, maybe a sense of harmony. Um, And, you know, these experiences have very powerful after effects so that people feel a new sense of purpose, a new sense of meaning. And... I was doing research into the causes of these experiences. Sometimes they're caused by uh, contact with nature. You know, when you're walking in a beautiful landscape in the hills or by by the coast and you feel inspired by the beautiful scenery. Sometimes they happen after, you know, a meditation or after a period of relaxation. But I found out that the most frequent trigger of these uplifting uh, awakening experiences was intense psychological turmoil. So they often occurred following periods of depression, addiction, 
stress, intense stress, and you know a wide variety of of negative experiences. So that just led me to investigate the transformational effects of psychological turmoil in more detail. Yeah. So what what came to my mind um, as you were talking there, uh, Steve, was the fact that I, I had a little one of these, right? A little uh, transformational mm-hmm. experiences, uh, probably about fifteen years ago. And the reason why it comes to mind is because, you know, on your website, um, and there's links in the show notes, uh, as always, there's, uh, uh, there's um, a link to a video of you and Eckhart, uh, Eckhart Tolle, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, I read his book, The Power of Now, for about 15 years or so ago uh, on holiday. And uh, the following day, I had this, this, this shift in, in, in consciousness so what actually happened? We were we were in Turkey, and the, it was August, and the, the 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 ground is is parched and really dry, yellow, and it actually shifted from yellow to brown, and the sea went from like a mid blue to a really intense, powerful, almost black blue. Um, the world slowed down, so everything went really quiet. And as it went really quiet, I could hear the the the, the wind uh, whistling through the thatched cottage, you know, the straw on the top of this beach bar that we were sitting in. And I, after, I don't know how long that lasted, but um, it came, when when I came back to, to 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 normal, a normal level of consciousness, I said to my wife, "Why do we only come here for two weeks?" So I was. I was kind of um, uh, apportioning. I, I was, I, I was, yeah. I was putting the the shift in my consciousness down to the place. But looking back on it now, I can see that it was the Eckhart Tolle book that I'd, I'd I'd read the day before. Something had shifted for me. So um, the, there is a uh, there is a shift. There is a shift in our our, our consciousness, and then it goes to a profound. Uh, um, Based, uh, and and then there is a, a, a residual, like there's a residual kind of left on the back of that. I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it probably wasn't a coincidence that you were on holiday because, you know, as I said before, that these experiences do happen when we are in a mood of relaxation. It just relaxation sort of opens us to the, to these experiences, and then maybe there's another kind of stimulus stimulus like reading the book, and the cat the the power of the book. That, funnily enough, a lot of people have um, written to me uh, say, saying that they've had similar experiences while reading that book. It seems to have quite an uncanny power to to bring about those experiences. And 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 that it's quite. Um, he, he speaks. He's. Uh, I think is he German originally. I can't. Originally, yeah. Um, and uh, his sentences are quite long, so you kind of really, for, for me, I really have to concentrate on it. So. Uh, when I, I was talking to somebody about it this morning, and he says, uh, he, it, it, for him, it's it it, it puts it, it's so the the pace is so gentle, it slows him down. So sometimes he actually falls asleep if he's listening to to the guy. You know, <laughs> um, uh, I I think the 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 fascinating thing for me is is that you're 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 looking at both these things as a, a, a you're looking at spirituality and psychology. And for me, the uh, the spirituality place is is the place where I, I have found uh, more peace 
because for me, spirituality is is about who we are, mm-hmm. and psychology is about how we think and how we feel. So we're kind yeah. of going upstream. I, I talk about going upstream from from how I how we feel and how we think mm-hmm. to to who we are. How, how do you see? What's your take on all that stuff? Well, I, I agree with you. I think psychology, in its conventional sense, is quite limited. It just does deal with the, the mind. And also, mainstream psychology is quite reductionistic. You know, it, it sometimes portrays human beings as chemical machines and, and everything we, we do is a product of, you know, neurological functioning or our thoughts are just chemicals in the brain. So that, that's um, that can be quite, you know, limiting as well. But, but I actually work in an area called transpersonal psychology. Um, transpersonal as in beyond the ego or beyond the self. And that has a much more kind of holistic picture of a holistic view of human nature. So it doesn't just deal with mind, the functioning of the brain. It kind of opens up into areas such as spirituality. So transpersonal psychology tries to link psychology to spirituality. So and, and it encompasses both. Right. When... Um... So as we we spoke last time, and and I was sharing you this this uh, theory of the, the the primal wound, and one of the the a a, a, a theory that came from a, an adoptive mum in the US is that she's a, a doctor and um, a, a GP, and I think she went on to do uh, to to become a study psychology as well as um, as body health, should we call it? Um, so she came up with this idea that there's uh, that there's a, a, a primal wound, and I, and I and it, this theory really st- struck me as I read the book, and I thought, well, this is this is she's saying many things that I think of, um, uh, you know, a, a ring a chord with me, uh, such as you know, like a a, a feeling of lower self esteem, a desire to want to control things, um, an insecurity in this place. And 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 then, but somewhere along the line, I, I got to this place where I thought, well, what what is actually what is actually wounded? And I have I definitely felt wounded, right? Um, but we're not our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so what ha- has been wounded? I thought, well, maybe my my sense of self has uh, has been wounded. And so I thought, yeah, I, I definitely feel that too. But then I, for so from from my sense of myself, I thought, well, is my is my sense of self actually myself? Mm-hmm. Um, it, and and I, somehow I got to to draw a distinction because I thought maybe sense of self seems more like ego to me. I think it is. Yeah, I think. You know, in spirituality, a lot of different traditions and teachers make a distinction between the ego, which is a kind of constructed self. Uh, it consists of concepts and it's maintained by thinking and it's co- constructed by our societies through expectations and conventions. But there's always a there's another self which stands beyond that and which can observe that. You know, you, you mentioned Eckhart Tolle. And his um, his awakening occurred when he realized that he was another self. There was another part of him which was able to watch his own psychological suffering and stand back from it. Then he realized that he was not the, the thinking self. He was not the self which was full of anxiety and which was in pain and which identified with his suffering 
he was a self which observed that. And then as soon as he realized that, then his his ego self dissolved away and he became identified with his this deeper self. Yeah. So, so, so sorry, yeah, so I would say the primal wound occurs to that constructed self or maybe it, it, it is built into that constructed self because it's a, a separate self. It's not the authentic self. Yeah. So we, we, we're talking a lot of concepts here. So let me try. I, I came up with a metaphor for this, um, uh, Steve, which for me makes it re- really, really simple. And it came to me last year some point. I thought, because I'm a, I'm a keen swimmer. So I was thinking about, and, and uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about this in the swimming pool. And somebody was in in front of me, and she was creating quite a lot of waves, right? And my, my I was behind her, and I was trying to go go past her. My 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 body was being um, rocked in the water by by these waves coming off this other other swimmer, right? So my my body could feel that disturbance in the water, right? So that's that's my my, my one, one that's one way of looking at our identity is our body. And then what was actually going on in my in, in my head or in my probably in my maybe my ego is why is this woman in my way? I, so that's the ego. Why couldn't she go swimming at a different a different time? And, and all sorts of really stupid kind of thoughts coming out of my uh, off the back of my ego. And then there was another part of me that was um, to- totally aware of all this ranting that was going on in my ego um and uh aware of the thing in the 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 the, the, the ruffling of the body but totally detached from it like like it was the um the 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 lifeguard up a little ladder you know in a chair in the chair, you know, so that they can uh, look across the swimming pool and see if anybody's uh, seeing anybody, see if anybody's in trouble. So that it would that's that's the metaphor. That's kind of my metaphor for the for the higher self. Mm. Um, and I, I know you've done in in some of your books, you've looked at the kind of near death experiences, and that that's that observer self and people talk to a lot of people talk about you know if they're in a hospital their body mm. is the body is on the on the gurney on the on on the bed and yeah. looking yeah can you share a little bit about that yeah um near-death experiences occur when people clinically die for a short time when that when the blood flow ceases ceases and no ceases and no no oxygen going up to the brain they cease breathing and even though they're, they're physically, they physically seem to be unconscious, they inwardly, they often find themselves looking down on the scene from above. They seem to leave their bodies and have an out-of-body experience. And they normally feel a, a powerful sense of serenity and peace. And a lot of people are actually reluctant to go back into the bodies because they feel so serene. Yeah. And there are all kinds of other phenomena that occur later. It's a kind of like a sequen- sequential experience. And the first stage is that, out of body experience and also often when they return to their bodies they're able to report what was going on they sometimes report details of operations Uh, a friend of mine had he had one experience an an out-of-body experience during an operation and he heard music playing in the operating theater which he he thought he recognized he thought it was mozart 
And so when he came to uh, in in recovery, he said to the anaesthetist or to the doctor, I'm not sure who it was. He said, oh, was that was that Mozart you were playing in the operating theatre? And they were totally shocked because, you know, there's no way he could have heard the music. And uh, But the, but the, those experiences are not are not uncommon. Yeah. So if we take this um, transformation through turmoil, if we take that um, that that first word of transformation, most of us see that word as change, but it's got a deeper. It's got as it's transform as transformation got a deeper um, uh, definition than than change. Is it beyond form? Is it is that is that what it means? Um, yeah, it, it literally, it means beyond form. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I mean, there, there are obviously different degrees of transformation, but transformation through turmoil is. It's really a transformation into a different form. It's really a transformation to, into a different identity. It's a bit like um, a lot of people report in terms of their old identity dissolves away and they feel like they're, they're, they are an, a new person inhabiting the same body. So it's such a radical change that they, they do physically, psychologically feel like different people in the same body. Yeah. Now, I, I know that some of the work, you've done some work in, um, with... Uh... It's in one of the books that you've written, you talk you talk about a, an alcoholic. I think do you? is that one of the yeah yeah. I have a chapter on the connection between transformation and addiction. Yeah, um, because uh, the uh, the incidence of alcoholism is elevated amongst uh, adoptees compared mm, to the, mm. um, uh, compared to the general population. So, could you talk a little bit into that? What what you found in this area? I found I found uh, when I was doing my research, I found many cases of transformation following or in the midst of alcoholism. Uh, so people who've been severe alcoholics for uh, many years, you know, to the point where they they felt they'd lost everything over the course of their addiction. Everything had begun to fall away. You know, they'd lost their friendships. Uh, they lost their family. They'd lost their jobs. Um yeah, and, and and eventually they hit the, the classic rock bottom when they were in a state of desolation. To to give you a specific example, there was one woman I interviewed from Scotland. She was from Edinburgh, Scotland. And she was an alcoholic for over 20 years. And eventually, you know, everything crumbled away over the course of her addiction. She was left homeless on the streets of Edinburgh. And uh, she was just shoplifting to maintain her addiction. Uh, sleeping rough and she was so physically broken down that she she couldn't walk more than, more than a few steps before she had to stop and she tried to stop drinking before but she she couldn't do it so she she'd given up hope basically she she realized that she you know she had no hope and she decided to attempt suicide but somehow in the midst of her suicide attempt she actually tried to throw herself in front of a coach that was traveling from glasgow to edinburgh she just jumped out in front of it but miraculously the driver uh, swerved and she survived. But so, somehow in the midst of that process, she underwent a transformation. And uh, she said that the police took her back to her parents' house and her mum said to her, well, you're an alcoholic, so I'll have to give you a drink, won't I? So her mum poured her a glass of wine. But she she was physically unable to drink it. She tried to lift the wine, but another part of her put it down. She kept lifting up the glass and putting it, putting it down again. Then she looked at herself in the mirror and she felt like she was looking at a different person. She didn't recognize her reflection. And then, then the doctor arrived and gave her some medication to deal with the withdrawal symptoms. But when she came to, she 
she felt somehow free of her addiction. It just disappeared. And she felt like she was a different person with a new sense of connection to people, a new sense of empathy for people, a new sense of the, the kind of vividness of her surroundings, a new feeling of connection to nature. So everything shifted in those few moments. And, and I'm still in contact with her now. And she's, you know, she's been uh, sober for 15 years now. And she's maintained this sense of well-being and this sense of connection, and also a sense of appreciation, a new sense of the value of things in her life. And and that's I, I call that release from craving when people's addiction suddenly and apparently mysteriously disappears. And, it, and it's not it's not uncommon. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's common, but it's you know, there are certainly, you know, many cases where it occurs. So I, I'm I'm getting a feeling that there's a there's a, a, a scale. There's there's different sizes of transformational shift. So mm-hmm. my and, and the the reason that I'm that comes to mind is you you use the word vivid and 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 that's how I knew that I was having my own little shift um, mm. in, in Turkey 15 years ago because the colours became more vivid that that was a that would be a beautiful way and so and, and you said that the uh, the um, the 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 lady who almost died she had a, a, a you know her, her circumstances her surroundings became more vivid so there are different sizes of, of these uh, transformational uh, changes and we're talking are, are we talking beyond we're talking beyond form aren't we are we talking uh, about the shift between um, body or or mind or body mind to 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 spirit to consciousness to awareness is is that yeah. what we're talking about here you could you could explain in those terms it is almost as if it's a shift beyond ego it's almost, it is almost as if the normal ego that we were talking about earlier the, the kind of uh, socially constructed ego that consists of thoughts and concepts it's almost as if that dies away and you know, it reveals itself as a kind of superficial, inauthentic self, and a, a much deeper self reveals itself as our true identity. And that that spiritual self was always there, but it was just covered over by this ego identity. So it's a bit like um, you could compare it to, uh, you know, the, the transformation a caterpillar goes through from a chrysalis into a butterfly. You know, something that was always there, that was always latent anyway, it just emerges and takes the place of the old self. And uh, yeah, so in that sense, you, you you could call it a shift into a new spiritual self. Yeah, it's um, it's powerful, and there's also a, a sense that it's something that's happened. It, it's something that happens to us, not something that we make happen. Exactly. Yeah, I, I guess the only. It, it definitely unravels itself spontaneously. You know, we we can't consciously induce it. That's that's certainly true. But the, but I think there are certain you know there there are certain sort of traits or certain attitudes which can allow it to manifest itself. It's a bit like post traumatic growth, um, which you, you you've you know you're familiar with. And uh, post traumatic growth happens to a lot of people, but it doesn't happen to everybody. And there certain be there are certain reasons why it doesn't happen to everybody, you know, and why some people do experience it. People who are more kind of open and more willing to explore themselves, 
and uh, people who are more kind of trusting in their own experiences they tend to experience more post-traumatic growth but also it's about acknowledgement and acceptance you've got to be prepared to acknowledge that you're going through suffering you've got to prepare to to look into your own psychological turmoil rather than diverting yourself from it um i guess that's one thing with you know addiction is all about diverting yourself from your own feelings it's about escaping your your inner turmoil so you know if you continue to be to to be an addict you're not going to experience any transformation you can only experience transformation when you stop diverting yourself and you you know you look inward and you explore and face your psychological turmoil and there's a, there's a certain moment of acceptance when you you know you look your predicament squarely in the face and you drop your resistance to it you you say okay this is the way things are you know i accept this situation as it is this is my reality oh it's, it's a bit like surrender you let go of resistance to to the situation and that's when transformation is, is more likely to occur yeah very powerful um and also very powerful and, and a, a very kind of like a finite thing a very specific thing a very well the the thing that came to my mind is a um a lady who's in in recovery now like by a well-known uh adoptee uh called uh, pamela caranova she, she came on the she came on the podcast and she said basically essentially well essentially what you just said she had been numbing she 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 was she felt that she was overwhelmed by her trauma she feared feared those feelings feared those overwhelming feelings and so she numbed them and when she stopped trying to numb them that's that's when the when the shift happened for her mm. and that mm. was the start of her um yeah that was the start of that mark that 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 insight that epiphany that aha moment that marked the, the start of her of her recovery journey mm, yeah i found that in in many of the cases i investigated many of the cases of transformation through turmoil people could actually could actually identify this specific moment when they shifted into a mode of acceptance you know and, and that was usually when the the transformation occurred as if the the acceptance was the trigger for the transformation yeah. and in some in some addicts it was related if they if they started to follow the uh you know the the 12-step program in aa or na it was when it was the moment when they hand over their problem when they admit that this problem is too big for them and they just let go and hand it over to a, a higher power of some form in some cases that was when they experienced transformation yeah. but in other cases it's just it was just when they realized that you know they had to change or they had to face a reality but but as you said before in, in many cases it was purely spontaneous you know the, you know it seemed to happen for no particular reason one one of the things i i say on the podcast now now and then is that these insight moments these aha moments we can't induce them i love the the word you, you said the word induce we can't induce them we can't force them we can't make them happen but we can put ourselves in a good place to make them happen mm -hmm. and, you know you said by being open 
and I, I the phrase I came up with a while ago, or maybe I came it through, came up with it, maybe I borrowed it off another mentor, um, was is hanging out at the bus stop, <laughs> hanging at the bus stop for insights, right? And then I often, because uh, I if if I was listening, <laughs> I would want to know how. So at, at that point, I always remind the I always say to listeners, listeners. That's what you're doing now. Mm. You are listening to Steve and Simon talking about this stuff. And by doing that, you are you are putting yourself in the path that hopefully mm. some insights will happen. So you don't need to worry about how to do it because you're already doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's good. Yeah. yeah. There was somebody once said about meditation, but you know, whether Somebody once asked, if you meditate, can it bring about spiritual awakening? And the reply was, spiritual awakening is an accident, but meditation makes you more accident prone. Oh, an accident prone, yeah. Yes. Yeah, like so, so it is an accident, but you can, you can sort of create the conditions which make it more likely to yeah. occur. And uh, uh, talking, about, um, talking about meditation, there's this guy I'm listening to a lot and I know that you're uh, you've you've listened to him um uh, Rupert Spira he says mm-hmm. that meditation is what we are not what we do yeah I like that yeah um it's that it, so it, it, what he's talking about is to well to me I, I I think what he's talking about is that um the piece of that essential self. Mm-hmm. It is naturally quieter, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we, 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 get, we get so used to being in, immersed in our thoughts. You know, we can spend whole days being immersed in our thoughts without realising. We just accept that we think of it as natural. We just assume that that thought created identity is our normal identity. So it just takes, but it takes a moment of not being immersed in thoughts to realize, ah, that's not really me. You know, there's there's something else underneath that. Uh, and um, I mean, and, and often being immersed in thoughts causes suffering. That often that is the source of our suffering, especially when we dwell on, you know, events from the past. We do we dwell on resentments from the past and hurts that we experienced in the past. Um. You know, so, you know, if you if you in meditation, you can step outside that that stream of thoughts and you can also free yourself from all the hurt and the suffering which comes with that stream of thoughts. So um, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago the word acceptance um, and you've got a poem that talks about that. So maybe this is an opportune moment to to share that poem with us, if you want. Great. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a poem I wrote called The Alchemy of Acceptance. It's all about the transformational power which comes with the attitude of acceptance. The Alchemy of Acceptance. Emptiness can be a vacuum, cold and hostile, dark with danger. Or emptiness can be radiant space, gleaming with soft stillness. And the only difference between them is acceptance. A task may seem tedious, a chore to rush through reluctantly, or a task may seem rewarding, 
a process to relish with an attentive mind that reveals more richness the more present we become. And the only difference between them is acceptance. Pain may seem unbearable, searing through you from a sharp, concentrated point, so that you have no choice but to resist, to try to escape, to push away the pain. Or pain can be a sensation that you can move toward and merge with, that no longer has a centre, that dissipates through your being, until it becomes soft and numb, no longer pain at all. And the only difference between them is acceptance. Trauma can break you down to nothing, destroy the identity you spent your whole life building up, like an earthquake that leaves you in ruins. Or trauma can transform you, break open new depths and heights of your being, give rise to a greater structure, a miraculous new self. And the only difference between them is acceptance. Life can be frustrating and full of obstacles, with desires for a different life disturbing your mind. Or life can be fulfilling, full of opportunities, with a constant flow of gratitude for the gifts you have. And the only difference between them is acceptance. Wow. Uh, that's genius. That really is genius, mate. That, I, oh, I, 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 yeah. There's so much there. There's so much there. And there's so much that is a, a dot, you know, a, a dot relevant, a dot specific. Mm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually a really, I, I, you know, like you said, you're going to have a look at, at your poems and, and pick, pick one or two. Um, and, and, and that one is the, the point, you know, you, one of them is the point and the searing blade. And, and, and I was thinking about the primal wound and, and we're talking, uh, we're talking about that earlier on. Um, and the, uh, uh, and the, 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 the trauma and kind of like snuggling up to the trauma mm -hmm. in, instead of, instead of pushing the trauma away that that's what we're doing when we're numb like bringing it in closer you know yeah. isn't, that, isn't that you know people say i don't know is that is that is that don corleone in the godfather keep your you know keep your friends close but your enemies closer or something like that i can't you know like, yeah, like bring right. your trauma in bring mm. bring bring the trauma in like yeah. snuggle up to it and befriend it yeah and, and and love it you know see it as a see it as a pointer right um yeah and then you can um you know obviously that's that's difficult to do it's very challenging but if you can do it you know with, with support and therapy then then you harness the transformational power of your trauma you know because you, you you know your what seems to be your enemy is the source of incredible strength and resilience and power it's the the seed of a new life you know if you can harness its yeah. uh, transformational potential i i was um I, I was thinking about triggers this morning you know like so people get say i get triggered 
you know, I, I, something happened. I was triggered, and and it, and it's triggered. It, it's brought up. It's brought up some trauma back to the top. You know, it's brought it come up. Something's come up to the surface again. You know, and I've been triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was thinking about triggers in, you know. So what? What's the if 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 there was a positive take on triggers, what would it be? Right. And so I, I was trying to think of as many, uh, this morning I was thinking of as many good, uh, uh, good words for triggers. You know what they do. So I thought such triggers as a as a gift, triggers as a a blessing, triggers as a catalyst. You know, catalyst to new growth, as a pointer to when our perhaps our uh, subconscious thoughts have gone awry, as a reminder of something mm-hmm. that we've heard in the past that you know that we. That that um, we want to uh, a, a better version of ourselves, a prompt, a suggestion, um, uh, a present. So yeah, gift and gift and present go together. Mm. And uh, I and, and then I, I got another one which is a bit clumsy, uh, but it, I, I put it as a an epiphany causer. Mm. Mm. Epiphany causer. Um, But that 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 poem's just genius. Do, do you feel that it's coming through you? Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's difficult to describe, but it, it definitely comes through me. There's some sort of guidance. I sort of obviously I, I edit what comes through me, but essentially it comes through me. And usually in in those quiet moments when you know my my thought mind is quite slow and quiet, and there's a bit of space inside me. Uh, when I'm relaxed or when I'm meditating or I, I like running, run, running, swimming, they're, they're quite they're sources of inspiration for me. So those any moment really when my mind's fairly quiet yeah. and empty, that's when poems come through. Yeah. And what, if you, as you look back at, at that poem and, and I'm going to, it's on your website. So we'll, we'll link to the, we'll link to the poem on the website. Um, are there any things that seem particularly relevant for you and uh, in in that any particular lines that seem relevant to you in that poem given what we've been talking about so far well i think partly that poem came from the um witnessing the the power of resistance you know the negative power resistance resistance i saw it in my father my father had he had quite a traumatic upbringing his mother his mother Commit suicide when he was when he was just a child, and you always felt this sense of being abandoned. Probably not dissimilar to to the sense of abandonment that some adoptees feel. And he also he had the trauma of the the kind of the her men, mental illness before she committed suicide, and there were kind of a, a couple a couple of other traumatic incidents. So my father he always faced life with this attitude of resistance. He never faced up to any difficulties. He was always sort of he had problems with drink as well. Um, but I mean, he, he was—he he did his best. He was—he was a good, great guy. But his attitude was always one of resistance. So later in life, about fifteen years ago, my mother became seriously ill, and my father carried on with his resistance. He could never face up to the reality of the situation that she was seriously ill, and it caused a lot of discord. And you know, eventually, I sort of—I managed to gently persuade him to face the reality of the situation. And towards the end of his life, he became more, you know, calmer and more had a more harmonious attitude to to reality so you know in the same way that acceptance has this tremendous positive power resistance has a a tremendous negative power too you know you you, 
more than anything else, resistance takes up so much energy. You can spend all your energy resisting the reality of your life, you know, because resistance means erecting a, a barrier. You're constantly at war with reality. But, but so as soon as you switch into a mode of acceptance, that barrier fades away and all the energy that you use in resistance is returned to you. So you feel this tremendous sense of energetic well-being, as well as a sense of oneness with, with reality, because you're no longer fighting it. You're actually at one with reality. So your life flows much more easily. And yeah, so I think that that's what inspired the poem. Yeah. There's also another personal thing was that my wife, uh, this is a more kind of specific example, but my wife suffers from migraines. And the only way that we found that she could deal with a migraine was, was for me to gently guide her towards the source of the pain. If you have a, an extreme pain like a migraine, you, you want to naturally resist it and push it away. But we found that that didn't work. The only The only way to deal with it was to gently go towards the source of the pain and to merge your your being or your attention with the pain so that you actually become the pain. And when you do that, well, this is what she find, finds, the pain dissolves, it spreads, it dissipates, rather than being focused in one concentrated point. And it, it ceases to be a pain, it becomes a, a soft, numb sensation that is no longer uh, the source of uh, uh, discomfort or pain so that was another you know example that's another example of the power of acceptance in, in dealing with pain wow, wow. so we're, i mean because we're we're motivated uh, we're, we're motivated away from pain and towards pleasure mm -hmm. I, I i don't know who, who i heard that from but it's always that it was it's always stuck with me um and i thank you for bringing up the resistance thing because that the the, the awareness is you know the 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 um the acceptance is it feel, feels so far away right it's like the it's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and 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 that can be too far away you know we because if we do go to, if we ever get to the end of the rainbow, there isn't a part of gold there. That's just make believe, right? So it's too, it's too far away. Whereas the uh, motive, be, being motivated away from the pain of that's uh, 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 that's involved in in resistance is mm -hmm. far. It feels far more tangible to me somehow. Yeah, well, it, it means it's natural. I mean, all animals. Are motivated to to move away from pain and, and towards comfort or pleasure so that that's one of the reasons why it is quite difficult to to move into acceptance because it you know we it, physically physiologically it brings us well-being to move away from pain and towards pleasure or comfort so we just repeat psychologically what we do physically although often psychologically the reverse is the best you know it's actually better to to accept um psychological discomfort or situations of that which bring us suffering because you know that's what harnesses transformation yeah wow so um i think we've got time can we squeeze another poem in yeah sure um this is a poem about again it's a similar theme it's about the transformational power of loss 
which I, you know, like everybody, I've, I've, I've moments in my life when I've, when everything has seemed to fall away, I've seemed to lose everything, relationships have ended, professions have, you know, have uh, fallen by the wayside. But I've always sensed that when these moments of loss occur, there's something positive in them. You know, they're not entirely negative. There's always a part of me which kind of smiles and thinks, hmm, something, something good will come of this somehow. So this is about those moments of, of loss. And it's simply called loss. In every loss, there is liberation. When we're adrift in the future, chasing after goals and ambitions, loss pulls us back to the present. When illusions of success and status have inflated our self-importance, loss returns us to reality. When our minds are full of confused desires, loss disentangles us, simplifies our lives so that we have space to grow. When layers of dull contentment are suffocating our souls, loss strips us naked so that the world can touch us freshly and we can feel alive again. When there are too many attachments inside us, obscuring our true nature, loss empties out our being and reconnects us to our source. Loss breaks down our identity so that our broken fragments can fuse together again at a higher level of order. In loss, we find ourselves again. Wow. The, the, uh, the fragments bit, um, is that, I've heard something from uh, from Hebrew or the, uh, the Jewish faith about tikkun, tikkun alam, something like that. Have you, tikkun, does that make any yeah. sense? You, you heard of that? Yeah, that means I think that that literally means the healing of the world. And every person who attains a degree of enlightenment or awakening has to share it with other, with others to help the healing of the world and you know contribute to the healing of the world. Yeah. Well, you're cer you're certainly doing that. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, I think there's a kind of yeah, there's kind of there's a myth which is based on reality, the myth of the yeah, the, the wanderer who's been through suffering and trauma who returns home to share his his wisdom and his experience with, with the others who've you know who've stayed at home and helps them to grow. I think that's yeah, that's what we do in these experiences, in these in these transformations. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um what it is transformation through turmoil do you see that as the the the, the same as post traumatic growth or is it your take on it or is it are they, are they the same thing or what's the difference i see it as a variety of post traumatic growth post traumatic growth is is quite gradual it happens over many years and you know it sometimes takes a few years to manifest itself but Transformation through turmoil often happens quite suddenly and dramatically in a, in a single moment of transformation, and it often has much more drastic and dramatic effects than post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is very incremental, so that you know you can go through it without really realizing because it's so gradual. But post uh, 
what transformation through turmoil is so drastic that people realize straight away that something major has changed inside them. Yeah. 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 Wow. Is is there anything else you'd like to share with us, Steve, before I bring it in? Um, maybe the only thing I'd like to remind people is that as we touched on this earlier, that you know, you are not your thoughts or even your feelings. You know, you are the the observer, the, the part of you who is aware of your thoughts and feelings. And often suffering suffering comes from identifying with our thoughts and feelings. Often that is the source of our pain. You know, there's a famous quote from a Greek philosopher that says that it's not situations that disturb us, it's our thoughts about situations. And that applies to whatever's gone on in our past as well. It's not the, the past events that disturb us, it's our memory or, and our thoughts about the past. So you can free yourself from that by not identifying with your thoughts. And the, there's a freedom which comes from you know, the space between you and your thoughts. If you can find that space and live in that space, then you become free, at least to a large extent, you become free of, of suffering. Yeah. And and how would you see that fitting in with the, the, the trauma thing? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I interviewed a, a soldier who, um, who was in the Falklands War in the 80s, a British guy, and he was only a young, a young lad. He was like 18 when he was thrown into the Falklands War facing death. And, you know, he was terrified. He went through all kinds of terrible events on the battlefield. And so for years afterwards, he was in a state of trauma. You know, he was drinking to try to divert himself from his pain. Um, but somebody, eventually years, 10, 15 years later, somebody gave him a book on Buddhism. They said, this may help you. And he thought there was something in it. So he went to a Buddhist monastery and they had an open day and he sat down to meditate for the first time um, and the monk guided them through the meditation and he said that just for there was five seconds in the meditation when he realized that he was not his thoughts he was not his past and that there was a, a part of him which was free from his trauma and he realized that a lot of his pain came from identifying with the self which was so scarred by his trauma and, and and with the memories of his trauma. So he stepped back away from his thoughts and feelings, away from his pain, his memory of his experiences. And he began to meditate to, you know, to try to live in that space. And eventually, you know, he did find peace. From that, yeah. Because mm -hmm. we, we talk, because we talk about, trauma as both an event and the aftermath of the event don't we i think we can, that's a bit confusing um yeah uh, well trauma obviously has a trigger and it obviously has some psychological and even physiological manifestations which you know which linger afterwards so yeah that they, they both can be sources of, of pain yeah yeah um for me the I came up with this metaphor, which I quite, I quite like. It doesn't work very well in terms of, uh, in terms of when we've been, been talking about alcoholism, right? Because I, mm -hmm. I to, to me, trauma, trauma seems to me to be a, a toxic cocktail of, of insecurity, fear, and um, shame, and anger, often. But with a with a cocktail glass. 
not its content. Right? So mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I, I, I see that the, the aftermath as as that as those feelings that are in in our body. You know, the Bessel van der Kolk thing, body mm-hmm. keeps the score there. They're, they're 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 there. That's that's where they're retained and 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 they are they are triggered, but that they are they are they are feelings. That's yeah. how it seems to me. I don't know. What do you yeah, mean? That, well, that makes sense. Yeah, but but I would say that if you can acknowledge and accept those feelings, and if you can realize that there is a part of you which is not those feelings, yeah, then you can begin to free yourself from them. Um, so yeah, obviously you made you made some therapy to help you do that, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. well, I mean, I, I, I mean, everybody's capable of doing it. You know, it's um, I, I, one thing. Another thing I should really mention that one thing I found consistently in my research is that human beings are much stronger than we assume. You know, we all have incredible reserves of resilience inside us that we're not normally aware of. It's usually only, only when we face critical situations. That's when we we become aware of those powers inside us. But yeah. so I always, I always tell people that you know you, you're much stronger than you may may be aware. Brilliant. So, listeners, I'd encourage you to check out the poem and check out Steve's work and connect with him on social because he's got some really powerful stuff here. And that the, the poems are so they they're, they're so great at getting around the kind of the lo- the logical side of us. You know, it just skirting around that that left brain logic to go right to the right right to the part of us that uh, can be um, impacted so thank you very much it's been a great hour i really enjoyed it thank you simon i've enjoyed it too yeah thank you listeners we'll speak to you again very soon take care bye-bye